From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Coalfield and Company. Third and goal from the four. Lost one for Odell Beckham Jr. Got it down. Touchdown. Rams pressure is picked up. Kyler. Did he get rid of it? It's intercepted. It's David Long. Into the end zone. They'll still get a first down at the one. Cup turning around. Off the turf and into the end zone. Touchdown Rams. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Busy 5 o'clock hour on Cofield and Company. Adam Candy, Ari Cofield. Full investigation later on in the grab bag. This goes on the tease board. Uh, apparently, was there an issue with Steve Levy and Marvel Comics or Marvel Universe or Marvel Movies? We'll have to get into that. I saw people getting on them. It was a very critical weekend on the interwebs when it came to the announced teams. I don't know what was going on. People were extra salty this week. Uh, last night's game made a lot of people salty. Cardinals get their butts kicked. Rams move on in a massive way. And now we've got people calling for Cliff Kingsbury's head. We'll have to hit on that after 5.30 as well. Big five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Lots of Raiders commentary updates coming as well. Well, you know, in this whole Marc-Andre Fleury, Robin Leonard thing, it doesn't have for me to do anything or didn't have anything to do with their personalities or some you know, loyalty to one guy or the other. I, I thought there should have been a stronger case made for keeping Marc-Andre Fleury around. It hasn't worked out for him, but he's also on a crap hole of team in the Blackhawks. All right, we're at an important juncture of the season. We're in, as I love to call them, the dog days of January in the NHL. And the Knights are struggling, Candy. And last night, I mean, some of it is on Leonard. They wound up losing 5-3. They had a 3-0 lead. I mean, really sloppy turnovers, defensive mistakes. Where are you now on the goaltender decision and judging what Robin Leonard has done to this point in the season? It's time we have a serious talk. That's where I am right now, Cofield. It's time we have a serious discussion about Robin Leonard's performance and what it means to the Golden Knights' chances to win the Stanley Cup. Only a couple of things that matter. Marc-Andre Fleury doesn't matter anymore. He's gone. Marc-Andre Fleury plays for a different team. Sorry, everybody. You have Robin Leonard, and you have to deal with what Robin Leonard can and can't do. And what we've seen thus far this year is that the numbers tell you Robin Leonard... Hasn't been the only problem for the Golden Knights, but he's been a problem because we knew from the jump that with the injuries this team had, it was going to be a matter of the defenseman jumping into the play, taking more chances, and essentially asking Robin Leonard to do what Marc-Andre Fleury did, especially in year one for the Golden Knights, bail him out of tough situations, odd man rushes coming the other way. Thus far, according to Natural Stat Trick, Robin Leonard, among... Goaltenders who've played 500 or more minutes this year, there are about 50 of them, ranks 46th in goals saved above average. He ranks 46th in high danger save percentage above average. And if you like more traditional metrics, he ranks 41st in save percentage. So those numbers are not going to get it done for a team with Stanley Cup aspirations, and that's the point here. The point is when you are spending over the cap on your team, then I don't care if Marc-Andre Fleury makes $2 million more a year 
than Robin Leonard. You figure out a way to keep the Vezina Trophy winner if that that's your concern. So, all that being said, can Robin Leonard play better? Yes. Can the team in front of him play better? Yes. But he right now is not doing the job to bail out this team. And it was really popular early in the year to look at Marc-Andre Fleury's numbers and say, well, Marc-Andre Fleury's been terrible too. He's been awful for Chicago. Yeah, since that time, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has pulled his numbers right around, and he is number 17 on that list that Robin Leonard is number 46 on in goals saved above average. Number four. Let's stay on ice. A really cool story with a uh, UNLV athlete. Bobsled team? Olympic bods, bobsled team? Candy? How does this happen, by the way? Because we know that Lola Jones is on this same bobsled team for the U.S. I did not realize, pardon me and call me ignorant more than you usually do, that track would correlate that well to bobsled. But, I mean, here we sit, and when we turn on the games in, what, about two-plus weeks now, uh, you're going to have a former UNLV track standout on the U.S. bobsled team. Cofield, I find this kind of amazing. Uh, The Rebels are going to be represented in the Winter Olympics by former sprinter Keisha Love, who is qualified now for the U.S. bobsled team having no previous Olympic experience, it's kind of remarkable, don't you think? Absolutely. Um, And one of my favorite sports to watch, which is maybe the coolest part of all this, so I will be glued to the television. Anything with bobsled, luge, what's the suicidal one where they're they're face first? Skeleton. Skeleton. (laughs) Yeah. Out of control, so really cool story. Uh, glad it's happening, and uh, I, I don't know that I was going to be glued to the television for much of the Winter Olympics, but I definitely will watch this event. Number three. This Raiders situation is a great situation to walk into, right? Uh, we read yesterday from uh, Vincenzo, Vinny B, over on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Sense I'm getting from people in the NFL, Raiders head coaching and GM openings are particularly attractive. It's going to be an interesting next week or so. Now, we've talked about this at different points of the show. Uh, There are things that are attractive about Vegas and the Raiders and about Mark Davis. Yesterday was not one of the organization's best days, and I just wonder if that is viewed the way that the Mayock thing was handled, where there's reports that, you know, guys around Mayock didn't even know he was gone. You're seeing the stories leak about other GMs uh, being asked about uh, interviews while Mayock was still on the job. You just you wonder what sort of damage that does in terms of the rep and this job being attractive when there are missteps like this. I don't agree with Vin. I don't think this is an attractive job. I think it's an attractive place to live because you're going to make a big salary with no state income tax. I think you have great facilities. But do I think this is an attractive job based on the roster that you have here? And based on the leadership of the organization, no, not for a second. Uh, We talked to Miles Simmons just a few minutes ago, and I'm not the only one who hasn't forgotten that Mark Davis shrunk during the John Gruden situation and still has not addressed it in any sort of meaningful way. That there is no leadership at the top of this organization. And so if there's no leadership at the top, can you expect to be supported if you're a GM or a head coach in a tough spot? I don't know that you can. And beyond that, do you look at the quarterback situation and say, 
Is it as good as, what, Chicago, Jacksonville? Would you rather have one of these young quarterbacks who maybe you think you can mold into something bigger and better? Or do you want Derek Carr, who is kind of in that Kirk Cousins tier of 10 to 15 in the NFL? He's good enough that you can build around him and win. But can you build around him with this team? The Raiders have about $25 million in cap space, but they've only had 35 players signed for next year. And the draft foundation as we've had pointed out by multiple articles, one by Vic Tafer in The Athletic, saying of the 13 first-round picks, you're only going to have two next year who are going to be starters. I think it is an attractive job uh, for a couple of reasons. I don't like the missteps. they got to clean that up. I think Derek Carr is the biggest reason that it's attractive because one way or the other, you have a guy in place who's better than most of what every other open job has. He is a legit top 12 quarterback. And most importantly, if you don't want him in this quarterback market, he is a trade commodity that can get you at least one number one, if not two number ones, and gives you a chance to upgrade at quarterback. And that's what I would want. I would want a quarterback in place who I think I can win with. If I want to move him, I can move him. And I've also got an owner who's going to be mostly, uh, I think, amenable to just about anything and is going to stay out of my way as both a coach and a GM. I worry about the ownership situations in a lot of spots, and I'll bring it up again. I know I keep piling on your guys in New York, but when I read today, you know, the are putting out little, you know, briefs about who's being interviewed. Chris Mara got an interview potentially to run the organization. Again, the some of these other ownership situations, it's like, my God, what are you doing? I think there's a flip side to what you just said if you're a Raiders fan, though, and not about Chris Mara. The, the Giants are a mess. But <laughs> when it comes to the Raiders organization, there is absolutely a, a flip side to the idea that ownership is going to stay out of your way and that you can trade your way back to responsibility. Uh should say respectability. The Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper trades with the same thing that were sold to the Raiders fan base last time. Well, you know what? We can trade these guys and we can get first round picks and we can start the whole thing over. And they destroyed that. So if I'm a Raiders fan, I don't know that I want to hear about that right now. I want to hear how are you going to win now? Because when Gruden came in, everyone thought Gruden was coming into a roster that underperformed the final year under Del Rio after they went to the playoffs with Carr with 12 wins and lost because he was injured in the playoffs and then Gruden came in and put dynamite to the whole thing so I need to know what I'm getting out of this next regime when it comes to what they think of this current roster because I think Mark Davis looks at it and sees that it needs to be blown up number two some early names for head coach candidates uh if it's not Rich Basaccia who is getting an interview uh names like Gus Bradley who's on the staff Leslie Frazier who's from the Bills family most recently, Todd Bowles, who was one of the first names on my list the uh, day after John Gruden uh, was uh, pushed out of the NFL. Gerard Mayo, younger guy from the Patriots family. Anything in that group that floats your boat? So keep in mind, the new Rooney rule in the NFL requires that there are at least two candidates of color who are considered for the job. So you have three on that list uh, so far for the Raiders. Does anybody on that list move me? No. Um, this team 
lost in the playoffs because the offense couldn't get the job done. They didn't lose because of the defense. And I can't believe I'm saying that considering where we were at the beginning of 2021. But this offense, because of poor drafting and because of injuries and situations beyond their control, ended up in a spot where they just couldn't perform. And you just mentioned, Cofield, one guy who's a career special teams guy and Rich Passaccia, who proved that he can handle the locker room, and then four defensive coaches. That's not the way of the NFL right now. It just is that bringing in a guy who is defense first requires that you have some sort of wonderkind offensive coordinator, and the Raiders don't really have that right now. And I don't want to know if you're going to bring in a defensive guy, who are you bringing with you to run the offense? Number one. So it, it looks like Adam Candy and Ari are split on what should and may happen with Good. Derek Carr. Ari says, who will stay? Who will go? I don't really understand the, quote, Carr has to go thing from people. Doesn't make much sense considering everything. Candy, over the weekend, looked to be battling some Carr stands. I saw some Derek Carr backers saying, hey, you know what? This guy wins, man. He's in a unique group that, you know, beats guys like Patrick Mahomes. And then you fired out the numbers like, well, I mean, beats them how often? So... First of all, just by saying I'm on the other side of the argument from Ari tells me that I don't need to defend myself. But whatever, it's sports sports radio. No, 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 no. I want to talk. Big five is done. Please (laughs) let me talk. Um, (laughs) Please let um, me talk. Please let me talk. Uh, Yeah, the, the car stands were battling me when I was saying that there's only one question you have to answer, right? You need to answer this and only this if you are figuring out the future of Derek Carr. Do you have the quarterback who can beat Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert consistently because that is what is facing you for the next five years at minimum in the AFC West. You're going to play four of your 17 games against those guys. And I had someone fire back at me and say, here's the list of quarterbacks that's beaten both of those two. And the list was Tom Brady and it was Josh Allen and it was Lamar Jackson and then it was Derek Carr and I thought cool uh which of those guys do you want quarterback in the team next year but Derek Carr is one for seven against Patrick Mahomes he's two for two against Justin Herbert and that's not enough now I'm not telling you to get rid of Derek Carr. I've been yelling at people in this market for the last five years that you can win with Derek Carr. And I think the right course of action for the franchise is probably to play out this contract next year when you've still got him at $19 million. You don't know where you're going yet. This franchise is in a spot where I think Mark Davis is telling everybody, we are blowing it up and starting over again. And if you're going to do that, you're not in a position this year to be drafting a quarterback. They're going to be picking in the high 20s, 22, if I'm not mistaken. They're not going to get their quarterback unless they think there's some piece of information out in the market right now that tells you that a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers is interested in coming here. Then they're not going to solve it next year. So trading Derek Carr this offseason for a first round pick without knowing who else is coming in is basically saying we're writing off 2022. Let me get those numbers correct. Carr's one in seven against Patrick Mahomes and against Herbert he's two and two because you said two for two so one and seven two and two so a combined three and nine uh, not exactly up there with the rest of the guys on the list Tom Brady Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson more on 
Derek Carr, another name added to the request list from the uh, Raiders for the GM slot. We'll get you that name. Five at five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now, back to Cofield and Company. Is there one thing that you, in your own mind you're saying, we got to get better at that? Yeah, we, ha- we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? Nope. You can do that. Dog days of January in the NHL. We could have a showdown. We could have a walk-off. There is no sport that delivers more infantile behavior than the NHL. We've seen that locally with our uh, walk-offs during press conferences. Leon Dreisaitl. (laughs) Okay. A reporter asking him about the struggles the Oilers have sucked of late let's see where this convo goes after dry said uh you know you do it as the reporter was not in the mood to be sassed why are you so pissy leon hmm? why are you so pissy i'm not i'm just I, answering your yeah question. you are whenever i ask you a question i gave you an answer not very good one okay i have one more for you leon you show your frustration on the ice last game against ottawa is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing, for sure. Good. Good. At the end, good. As you know, the PR people are like, eh, just shaking in their boots. The showdown between, uh, what's this guy's name, Jim Matheson, who I guess is a longtime hockey reporter, and Leon Dreisaitl. I saw some young media people uh, back the player in this case. I'll just give everyone a warning. Whether you think you're a candidate to be sassed or not, this will happen to you someday where someone is not in the mood for your generic sort of question, and they will be rude to you. And just remember, when you don't back other media members, let's see who has your back when you get crapped upon and disrespected. Now, that said... It is the dog days of January. You can tell both sides here. Dreisaitl's frustrated with the way the Oilers are playing. The reporter is not in the mood to get one-word answers. I don't think the, the follow-up about, you know, basically the whole thing about being frustrated is it good to show your the opposition your frustration. I think that was just piling on at that point. So there's, there's a blame to go on both sides. But I also I don't mind if an athlete or a coach wants to be rude and you fire back, well, you know, that's the way it goes. I think there was a way to do it that he didn't. I of mean, course. Yeah, I mean, like, like you don't like the answer of I'll let you do that. Yeah, that's fine. You want, you want to say something and be like, well, I'm asking you so that I don't. You know, like, you, there's a way to do it. But at, saying to him, why are you so pissy? That's, that's Bush pissy? League. That's yes. Bush League. And <laughs> look, the other thing people need to understand, and this is where I'm going to defend both sides of the equation here. We've been doing this on Zoom for the better part of two years now, right? Like, there's an element that's removed in terms of human communication doing this on Zoom where that conversation probably has happened in a locker room a whole bunch of times before between a reporter and a player in person when they're looking at each other and be like, what are you doing, man? Right? 
it's fairly normal. That's that's a that's a normal interaction in a locker room. It is not a normal interaction on Zoom when it's out there for the world to see like that. And you're right. There's blame on both sides, but the blame is is for the style of the response probably more on Matheson. So you don't like the word pissy uh, if he had fired back. Well, what kind of answer is that? Why are you being rude to me? It's I've come out it. here. I'm spending some of my time to cover you. How about an answer? He did answer. That's the thing. Drysaddle didn't just ignore him. He didn't, you know, he didn't uh, give no answer at all. He answered. He gave, he, gave, he gave a crappy answer. He gave an answer that showed that he wasn't happy with the question. Uh, but there's a way to take the high road in pointing out that the player is in the wrong. That wasn't it. Uh, coming up, we have a little update. I actually think it's a big update, and I'm... I'm glad he did this. Dak addresses the way he addressed post game after that Cowboys game. I, I thought what went down after the game, and obviously the mishandling strategically down the stretch was embarrassing. But that really surprised me from Dak that he came unraveled. And I, I point the finger of blame not only at Dak but at leadership of the Cowboys. That was terrible. Stick around. Cofield and Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios. Car back into the gun, drops right straight back, steps up, he pulls out, balls loose, Bengals have it. A strip sack against Derek Carr, and the Bengals have the ball at the Raiders' 15-yard line. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. get to the latest instead of five of what's going on with the Raiders and requests for GM interviews. But before that, you know, the end of the Cowboys game, Candy was super disappointing to blame the officials because the Cowboys screwed up the process. The play call was stupid. The execution was bad. Not looking around for an official to hand the ball to that was bad. You know, forcing the official to run 80 yards to try to knife his way in between linemen, that was stupid. At the end of the game, to me, it's Mike McCarthy's responsibility to mention to a couple of guys who were going into a press conference and also for him to get it straight that, you know what, we screwed that up. Not the nonsense that he threw out there, and I think it rubbed off on Dak Prescott, who then said basically good that the refs were having stuff thrown at them. Dak Prescott is a high-character guy. He's an admirable dude. And at that moment, I'm like, that's Mike McCarthy rubbing off on him. Dak today said, I deeply regret the comments I made regarding the officials after the game on Sunday. I was caught up in emotion of a disappointing loss. My words were uncalled for and unfair. That was a mistake on my behalf, and I am sorry. Bingo. Bingo. And that's what, and I know Jerry Jones can't really think clearly anymore because if he had judged this team as being a Super Bowl contender, he's out of his mind. Um, He doesn't judge clearly on who should be the head coach because he wants a guy who's going to be open to him being all over the football operations side, which a real football coach would not accept that. But Mike McCarthy, by the way, had to kind of lie to get the job by saying he was a big analytics guy and, you know, he studied a lot um, and then admitted recently that he didn't do any of that. Um, This is on... Mike McCarthy, for the way he handled the end of the game from a coaching standpoint, they were disorganized. And I hated that he came in there and tried to blame the officials and then said, well, our analytics people said that was a good play. That is low character stuff. 
The Cowboys deserve more than that. And Dak deserves more than that. And I'm glad Dak stood up after a day and a half and was like, you know, that was really stupid. I have a, I have a brand and the way I carry myself, and I don't want to be viewed that way. That was I, I thought that was terrible from Dak, and I blame it on McCarthy. Don't let Dak off the hook so easily. He doesn't deserve to be. And I'm going to tell you that a little bit as an official, but a lot as someone who can look at all of Dak's endorsements and say that a day and a half is almost too long when you have the amount wow. of endorsement money out there that Dak Prescott has. You can't turn on the television without seeing Chunky Soup or Sleep Number or any of the other ads that Dak Prescott has. And so he knew damn well when he walked into that press conference that condoning what he condoned was wrong. And you know what? Dak Prescott could have changed the play if he wanted to. Dak Prescott is the ultimate arbiter, as is every quarterback, of do I want to run this play or not? He didn't have to run up the middle of the field and put his team in that situation. He could just take the ball, fire it out of bounds, and say, now what play do you want me to run? Totally up to him. So I'll give Dak his share of the blame for this because, as I said, I'm a ref, y'all. know I'm a ref, and I have walked through parking lots where I have not felt safe before. And Dak Prescott being the one to endorse that among the fans is ridiculous. Now, did he get some encouragement from Mike McCarthy and the childish, infantile way that he handled his press conference? 100%. Mike McCarthy did not deserve to get any any leeway for the way he acted in that press conference. But Dak Prescott's a grown man. Dak Prescott is a guy who held out to get his money, got his money, and owes everyone more than he came out and did on Sunday. Is it, is it better that he apologizes now? Yes. If something had happened to one of those refs between Sunday and now, these words wouldn't mean jack squat. All right, strong stuff. Strong stuff. Uh, how can the Jones boys look around and watch Dan Quinn set up for five interviews around the league and go, you know what, keep McCarthy, let Quinn walk, and yeah, we're good with that. I, I don't get this. Oh, I don't. You want Dan Quinn coaching the Cowboys? No, no, I don't want Dan Quinn coaching the Cowboys. But I think he's a slightly better option than McCarthy. I don't love Dan Quinn. I don't understand why there's so much freaking interest in him, but McCarthy. Listen, there's been so much stuff building up with Mike McCarthy. First of all, the fact that he got the job, I thought was stupid. That's not a high-level candidate. And he's shown himself to not be organized. He's an old-school thinker when it comes to being aggressive. The punting a bunch of times down the stretch, I thought was stupid. That play call was terrible. I guess my point is, when they look around, how can they not realize that there's got to be some sort of upgrade? If you're going to upgrade from within the Cowboys organization, then you hire Kellen Moore because at least you know that you don't know about Kellen Moore. You know about Mike McCarthy. You've yep. got all the evidence to know that this is not the guy taking you to the Super Bowl. Uh, on the other side of that, Dan Quinn is lucky that he was able to rehab his image after the disaster he had in Atlanta. So I'm not hiring Dan Quinn either to lead this team because that defense was not nearly as good as they got credit for all year long. Come check with me this time of year next year and see if Trayvon Diggs has another double-digit interception season. It's luck that goes into that. 
But when it comes to hiring someone, you hire Kellen Moore if you're going to hire from within because at least he gives you the chance that there's a Sean McVay upside in there. And if you're wrong, you're wrong, but you're not any more wrong than you are having Mike McCarthy. If you're Kellen Moore, do you want to work for Jerry Jones as the head guy? You want to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. That's it. Uh, it, it, Look, Jerry Jones is who he is when it comes to running this team. You're not going to have say over personnel. You're just not. Uh, But Kellen Moore knows what he's getting into. Kind of the same way we've looked at Brian Cashman as the Yankees GM over the years and said, well, how can he deal with Steinbrenner? Well, because he knew how to deal with Steinbrenner. He had made his bed. And if you're Kellen Moore and you're going to take that job, then you've made your bed. You understand what you're getting into with Jerry Jones. Should he want it? Yeah, probably a lot more than a lot of other jobs out there because if you're going to hand me Dak Prescott and the rest of that team, that is by far the best coaching situation in all the NFL. Let's go back to your assertion that Dak Prescott should have taken control at the end of the game and audibled out of a scramble. You apply the same standards to Derek Carr on spiking on first down? 100%. In the end, it's not about Dak Prescott. It's not about Derek Carr. It's about the fact that we too often are willing to blame it on the coaches when it comes to a bad play call. How many of the best quarterbacks do we hear about call their own plays? Peyton Manning calls his own plays. John Elway calls his own plays. So what are if you're Dak Prescott or Derek Carr, what are you worried about? That Paul that uh that Paul said or, or uh Rich Basaccia is going to throw you under the Oli and Basaccia. They're going to throw that. you under the bus? Are they going to throw you under the bus? No, they're not going to throw you under the bus. The rest of your team knows it's a bad play call. So What's stopping you from changing it? If the best quarterbacks in the league change their play calls, then why sh- why can't you? They should be able to. Uh, update on what the Raiders are looking for in terms of the GM interviews. Uh, they've got a request out for a member of the Patriots organization. If you missed the earlier conversation with uh, Ben Volen, who covers the Pats, he talked about uh, Ziggler, player personnel guy. Guy from the uh, Colts organization is in the mix. Now they've asked for permission to talk to Trey Brown from the Bengals organization. Do you have anything bad to say about the Bengals organization? Because you, <laughs> you, you threw out some disclaimers with both the Colts and the Wentz trade and the uh, Patriots and you know just how much does everyone in that organization do. You know, under their uh, or how how much influence do they have with Belichick around? Well, I first have bad words to say about myself because I realized I started to combine Paul Gunther and Greg Olson into one person there, and that uh, I heard. uh, You know, yeah. Oh, I know you did. I know. No, no, no. You no. Listen, you 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 pointed out uh, my my mistake of two and two instead of two four two earlier because you are nothing if not a semantics expert no no uh, on justin herbert oh i know how i feel i'm not going to disgrace the cofield company show with my word choices i immediately i immediately oh my god i immediately thought of the listener of some listener going what he's not two for two against herbert you're wrong on that no you know no you just thought to yourself why do i have this jabroni as the company today uh, i've I've always said on the show if i say something that is slightly off or completely inaccurate correct me because at at 11 30 that night at 11 30 that night i will remember and scream out gee damn it 
because I made a mistake. I, I screamed out, gee, damn it, to myself as soon as I called him Paul Olsen. So Greg Olson and the Raiders, uh, yeah, I think they need to be looking for a GM and a coach who is going to fix the offensive problems, especially the line of this team. And yeah, if you want me to look at Cincinnati and say there's a problem, I can look at the offensive line and say there's a problem. But in the end, uh, this team took the obvious play. They drafted Joe Burrow. They fixed the defense this offseason by throwing a lot of resources at cornerback, which if you talk to any of the analytics guys in football, will tell you is one of those positions that you need to just take a lot of chances and hope that you're right about something. And turns out they have been with Jesse Bates at safety, with Hilton at cornerback. Hell, they've turned Eli Apple into a useful player uh, for the first time in his life. So that says to me that, sure, go ahead and take a look at the Bengals organization. Vic Tafer points out, by the way, also that uh, the candidate from the Bengals organization was interviewed last time uh, when Mike Mayock was hired, which I think is an interesting note. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Oh, no. Oh, no. Shake the fist at the sun. Who will do it more often here in the grab bag? Could it be Adam Candy? You know, Candy, one of the stories that we did not hit last week that I sensed extreme frustration on your part about was Antonio Brown's walk-off and NFTs being offered on that one. Uh, Do we have an update here? And uh, what exactly is this? And why were you so angry? Oh, no, I feel way better about this now Um, because someone bought and the rights to an NFT of Antonio Brown's walk-off with the thought that this person might be able to turn them into a non-fungible token that they could sell for more than a million dollars. But here's the best part. It's sold for 20 grand. It's sold for 20 grand. I'm completely fine with this. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Is this worse? As you're about to die on a car sinking through ice on a lake, you're taking your own selfie, which I guess a selfie is taking your own, but you're taking a selfie standing on top of the car as you wait for people to save your life. Cofield, you didn't do this, did you? Is this some story from Jersey we're going to hear that we've been uh, sitting on for 20 years? Do you have something to get off your chest? Uh, no, 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 no. I thought maybe you had like a little disposable Kodak camera and you were on top of your no. jalopy that was falling through the ice now. Um, sign of the times, Canadian woman pauses to take a selfie while rescuers hurry to save her from car sinking into icy river. Uh, Ottawa, 4.30 in the afternoon on Sunday, car breaks through the ice, starts stink- uh, stinking, sinking into the frigid water. And someone catches the woman standing on the last bit of her car that is actually exposed and not underwater. She is taking a selfie. Very fearless, this woman was, because we also, within the story, we just tweeted this out. As you watch the video, she's driving across a lake in, I don't know what, I don't know what it is, some little yellow car. And she appears to be going like 40 or 50 miles an hour across this lake. Like, I, I don't even know where to begin with this. Oh, at least at least 40, 50 miles an hour captured from someone's ring backyard camera, which is part of the problem in the first place. No one should ever catch your car doing anywhere on video with their backyard camera. But that being said, uh, Steve, so it's 430 on Sunday. So should we blame Tom Uh Brady for this? I think we should blame Tom Brady for this. Why? Because the Bucks Eagles game was so damn boring at the end. Okay. 
she had nothing else to do. <laughs> like, like, shouldn't That's we good. just give her better entertainment? No, uh, like, have you, you, did you also think about what the caption on that Instagram photo would be? Like, there are so many uh, of those captions <laughs> that are out there. Like, gotta just get through it, you know? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I'm trying to imagine what she would write on that caption. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, basketball trip to San Jose to take on the Spartans. Gotta just get through it. Quack. UNLV last night wins 81-56. to 56. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to watch. It was televised. It actually was on CBS Sportsnet. Um, Dan Dickow and Rich Waltz were on the call. What do you think? To quote one of the greatest films of all time, Billy Madison, it was quacktastic. You're going to get to it in a minute. I know you're going to get to. You're no, going to no, get to the. You can, you're going to get to the no, you, no, 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 no. You're going to handle the duck because you were there. But um, I, so I've switched over from wild card weekend that was terrible over to UNLV right around halftime, as just as the game was getting to be a double digit spread. Then over to VGK, which looked like it was going to be a terrible game, three uh, nothing. But give the Rebels credit. Better UNLV teams have gone up to San Jose and either outright lost or struggled mightily with bad Spartans teams. So what have we been saying about this UNLV team? Well, they don't beat anybody good. Well, they also have to beat the bad teams in order to set some sort of foundation here as they get everybody back in the groove after not having played for 10 days because of the COVID pauses. So you go out there, you win this game by 25, you get something out of Mike Nuga, you get something out of Webster. I'm a little concerned that you got another four for 16 level performance out of Bryce Hamilton, but that's the lone wart on what otherwise looked pretty good for UNLV last night. Yeah, the bench contributions were very good, and those guys, when they got it, they shot it, which is important because there's way too much catch and pause when guys are open. Uh, Nuga's getting a little healthier. I will say with Bryce, I thought he – I don't have an official word on this, but I thought he twisted a knee in the game against Fresno. I I believe it was a a long – outlet pass and he he just landed the wrong way and he had a couple of cases last night where he went in for a layup and he missed the layup so you know he had a a so-so game uh donovan williams is developing as the reliable 1a we know 1b whatever he i guess he would be 1b um what is it just over 20 points per game over the last seven and a lot of the nights are like last night where he goes nine to 13 and he's kind of dangerous on all parts of the floor so that's a good sign. I do have to say on the other side, oh, boy. I think Tim Miles is a good coach, and I think he's going to build something that will be at least, you know, every once in a while a team that can compete to be in the top half of the league. They won't be dreadful, but my Lord, you want to talk about a team that does not play defense, like, at all? Yikes. And he's got a bunch of transfers from Power Fives, and they're out there taking wild shots. Um my fear with this running rebel team is if you go back to Marvin Menzies last year, and I still think Menzies deserved one more year with the roster. He's going to get back. Marvin's teams beat everyone they should have, but they could not get over the hump against the really good teams. And now the tests are coming up. Like, first of all, because they lost at Fresno at home, a game I thought they should have won. I think they have to steal a game or two now on the road, including back at Fresno. But that starts to, uh, what two days from now on Thursday, they need to beat Air Force at Air Force, and that's not going to be easy. Um, and then from there, I do think they need – it would be a real you know, infusion of energy if they get a split 
in their road games coming up next week against San Diego State and Colorado State. Not easy. Not easy, but possible. Yeah, you get a huge bump from either one of those. I mean, realistically, you're talking about the two best teams in the conference there. So if you get a win on the road, then at least you start, you end the questions that jokers like us keep asking of when are you going to beat somebody good? Uh, all that said, it's got to be Donovan Williams as more than one B, I think. I, I know who Bryce Hamilton has been for this team. Um, there need to be more of these nights where other guys are taking this many shots. It doesn't need to be just against bad teams. They've The ball has to come out of Bryce's hands more often than it does. He's one of the uh, top five in the nation in terms of percentage of his team shots that he's taken. Um, this team has to be looking beyond Bryce Hamilton. And I know that's hard to say in January of a season that's still going, but other guys have to be given more opportunity. Or if they're not given it, they need take to take it. it. Take it. Take it. Sorry to jump in front of you, but Donovan Williams needs to take it. You know what? You know, stop hesitating when you're open from three. Take it. Drive more often. When you have baseline mismatches, take advantage of it. Now, I'll give you the other guy who I think does still have uh, upside on offense, and I think for his own uh, self-preservation from a foul standpoint, I think they need to get Royce Ham going earlier in the game. He needs to be the aggressor and not on his heels defending where he keeps getting in foul trouble. Um, he needs to be more decisive when he gets the ball, though. The, the you know, pivot, rotate, up and under, up and under, up and because he did it a bunch of times last night. Like, Royce, just go up and finish and freaking, you know, just bury someone. Draw the fouls the other way. So I, I still think there's upside with this team, especially if Webster, who was sick at the end of 2021, Nuga, who's been battling knee injuries, those guys both have upside. There, there's still room for improvement with this team where they can compete to be a top-four team in the conference. Candy, fine job. Ari, great job with the guest booking. Have a good Tuesday night. We'll see you tomorrow.